Hello. Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. It's good to see you guys. Shall we get right to it? It's about August 14th, 587 BC. Israel is having probably one of their absolute lowest moments in their national history. Babylon has sacked Jerusalem, burned the city to the ground, and along with that city, the temple of God. The survivors were kind of aggregated together and carried off to, into Babylonian exile. And it's in this time of exile that a guy named Ezekiel has an encounter with God and he receives a vision. And that vision, this moment, 2,600 years ago, would have significant meaning and implications for us all the way to today and this morning. And I want to share that vision with you because it is so important and is going to paint a picture for us to step into what God wants to do in your life this morning. Here we go. Ezekiel chapter 47. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple. Now remember the temple had been burned to the ground. So when he sees this temple, he's not seeing a temple that exists anymore. He's seeing a new thing that God is going to do. And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar, and then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east. And the water was trickling from the south side. Can you say trickling with me? Trickling. Trickling. Now, that's such an important thing that we register the descriptive of the water because it's going to change. And as the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. That's about 1,700 feet. And then led me through water that was now ankle deep. That's right. Thank you. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. That's it. I'm going to keep doing that. He measured off another thousand. It led me through water that was up to the And he measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was Yeah, it gets so deep, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? It's not uncommon that when we're having this kind of encounter with God, when God is speaking and showing us things like this, that he interacts with us and talks to us. Talk about that later. Then he led me back to the bank of the river. And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the Dead Sea. And when it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from En Gedi to En En Eglaim. There will be places for spreading nests. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt, 
fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Just picture the fruit trees. Trees. Just growing. Green, lush life. Supernaturally growing all around this river. Why supernaturally? Let's keep reading. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them and their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Let's recap this amazing vision that Ezekiel has. In this vision, um, we see that the water is trickling at first and it's coming out from underneath the temple. And here's a great picture of this idea of trickling. And it's coming out like out of a hose, but that's not where it stops. Now, this scene is very descriptive about the progression of the expanse and the depth of the, of the water. Watch, it, then it goes to ankle deep. You can just imagine Ezekiel standing in this water going, okay, we're ankle deep. Is this enough? And then, and then this messenger says, no, let's go a little further. And then they're knee deep in the water. And he's like, wow, this is a lot of water. Is it going to continue? And he goes and he's waist deep. And he's like, what? Where is this going? And then it gets to the point where it's so deep, it's in over his head and no one can even swim across this thing. And as this river is progressively deepening, which is a really important picture for you to have in your mind, the river is supernaturally bringing life to the environment that it's in with increasing measure. This morning, I want to talk about what does this river mean for us today? And how do we get into this river and experience the supernatural life that Ezekiel envisions in this moment? So let's start with the first. Let me pray for us. God, as we step into this vision I pray that, Spirit, you would open our hearts to what you want to do in our life this morning. God, we're not here just to sing. We're not here just to listen. We are here to encounter you. We are here to meet with you. And I want to pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts, our minds, our lives to a fresh encounter with the resurrected Jesus. We welcome you, God. Come into our life this morning. Speak to us. Reveal yourself to us. 600 years after this vision that had been fermenting like a fine wine in a wine cellar, 600 years later, this vision is fulfilled. It's fulfilled when Jesus is standing at the temple. Now there's a new temple. And Jesus is at the temple. And when he's at that temple, he says something that is revolutionary. Listen to what he says here. He says in John chapter 7, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said. What scriptures? Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given. Because Jesus had not yet been glorified, yet, meaning he had not yet been crucified on the cross and resurrected. And so when Ezekiel sees this vision, he doesn't fully understand what he's seeing, which is not entirely uncommon when we're 
communicating with God. God gives us a picture. We don't, we understand a part of it, but not the full picture of it until later. And here, 600 years later, God is bringing the full understanding of what Ezekiel saw. Jesus is describing the life of the Holy Spirit in us, the work and the person of the Holy Spirit as a river that is overflowing, breaking through, exploding out of a person's heart who has placed their faith in Jesus. If we go back to Ezekiel's vision, we see that the river flows from beneath the temple foundation, from our hidden reservoir, and that, Jesus is saying, is your heart. Listen to this. Listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? What does that mean that you're God's temple? That you, your life, your very body, your spirit was, is to become the dwelling place of God. This is a radical message. So when you think about why Jesus got himself in so much trouble that he was crucified, it was because he was saying that the presence of God is not restricted to this temple that was so sacred to the people of Israel. He's saying the presence of God now is coming and is going to be in your heart. And that is a radical thought. That Christianity is more than just sitting here in this pew. It is about the living God living inside of you and about our experience of that spirit and expression of that spirit and presence. That river that Ezekiel saw represents the reviving work of the spirit as he comes to live inside of you. So just like Ezekiel explored the banks of the river, Jesus is inviting you to explore the depths of life in the Spirit's presence and power and to know that there are greater depths of experience with the Spirit than you have ever experienced yet. Now, does that excite you? Does that interest you? Or does that kind of... Okay, some of you people get pumped. Some of us are... Some of us maybe aren't so excited. Maybe, you know, maybe you've had some bad experiences when people start talking about the spirit. Things are going to get crazy, out of control, unsafe. And you know what? There's good reason for that because certainly that has happened for people. But that's not what this community is about. This is a community to help us faithfully, courageously, and safely explore the depths of the spirit, because that is what Jesus died for you to have access to. What this vision of the river communicates is that there are depths to God that you have not yet gone to. And that should not make you feel insecure. Like what? There's more. I thought I had it all. That should excite you. That God's like, I have more. Have you been in the river at ankle deep? Good. Ezekiel saying, then come on, there's more. Hey, Ezekiel, I've been at knee deep. Woo! I started praying in tongues a while ago. It's been so good. And I'm going to move on now to other things. And Ezekiel said, whoa, whoa, whoa. It goes deeper. And maybe you've been a Christian for 30 years. And Ezekiel saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't get settled yet in the spirit because it's going to get deeper. There's more. And it is an invitation, not into sensation seeking, but into intimacy with God that is inexhaustible, that is unsearchable, which means two million years from now, when you've been with God for eternity, so I don't know, it's measured off in two million years of being with God, being in his glory, God's going to be like, 
Did you like that last two million? We're just warming up. And you're going to be like, okay, God. But that experience of depth with God begins now. And that's what Jesus was inaugurating for us. What does it mean to go deeper in the spirit? Number one, it's a, it's a metaphor that we need to explore. To, to, to go deeper in the spirit means two fundamental things. Number one, it means to surrender ourselves to the influence and leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life. Imagine being in the river. If you're in the river at ankle deep water, you're a Christian, you've received the spirit in you, you're in ankle deep water, and that water feels nice. It's refreshing to your feet. It's cool, and you feel the pull of the current as it swirls around your ankles. You will feel the river, and it will influence you so much. But now, let's go knee deep. Now you feel the river pulling on you a little harder. Now you feel its coolness around you more. Now you're waist deep and you might find that you lose your footing as the current and the force of the river increases. But now you're in over your head and now you are way more influenced by its current and its pull. It is about surrendering control in your life to the Holy Spirit's presence and leadership over every part of who you are. Because God wants to fill every part of who you are with his eternal life. And that begins right now. Isn't that exciting? And when Jesus says, come to me, you who are thirsty, he's acknowledging that there are Christians and non-Christians, believers who have been with Jesus for 30 years that have places of thirst in their life that make them question Have I experienced all there is to God? And this morning, Ezekiel and Jesus are saying to you, no, you have not. And if you are feeling thirst for more of God in your life, that is a perfectly natural thing to feel because that is the way the Spirit awakens you to a season of life in which he is leading you to deeper waters. Do you feel your thirst? Do you have a place in your life where the Spirit is putting you in touch with your thirst for God. This is about surrendering that place of your life. Maybe you feel that thirst in your physical, in a place of physical pain or a loss of, you know, a lack of physical health in your life. Maybe there's a, you feel that thirst in the strain in your marriage or in your financial anxieties, your fear of the future, your tension in a relationship with someone you care about, bitterness that is welling up in you between someone that you should have intimacy with. It could be in, in, in a place of spiritual disconnection from God where you, it's been a long time since you felt the nearness of God in your life. These places of thirst are the ways in which the Spirit awakens you to the greater depths. They are the summons of Jesus on your life to come to deeper waters. Come to me, you who are thirsty. Are you thirsty? Then it is not because you've tapped all that God has to give. It is because God is leading you into deeper waters. But we've got to surrender. In the New Testament, this idea of surrender and being under the influence of the Spirit is talked about in other terms. The New Testament writers talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And in the New Testament, when they talk about being filled with the Spirit, they are using a volumetric metaphor to describe a supernatural dynamic in the way we relate to the Spirit and the Spirit relates to us. And so you'll see throughout Acts that people are filled with the Spirit, not just once, not, but many times, again and again and again. At, Pente- at the end of the Gospel of John, breathes on the, Jesus breathes on the disciples to be filled with the Spirit. Then again at Pentecost, they're filled with the Spirit. Then again in, Luke, in Acts chapter 5, they are filled with the Spirit. The same people getting in the river again and again and again. Because it's an invitation to relationship. And God intends for it to get deeper with every day and month and year of your life. The second aspect of this is, if the first one is surrendering, going deeper also means cooperating with the Spirit who is transforming you. When you get into that river, that river is going to change you. That river is going to transform you. People used to travel from all over the world to Carlsbad for the artisan springs that well up from underneath the springs beneath the, cru- the, earth, uh, the surface of the earth. Did you know that? Do a little bit of research. People used to come out here for that artisan water that's in Carlsbad because they believed it had healing properties. For ages, people have experienced a healing experience with being in water. But this is a whole other level. When we cooperate with the Spirit, and as we go into deeper waters of the Spirit, you are going to be transformed. As you are increasingly filled with the Spirit, you are being transformed by the Spirit. Where you have stopped being transformed, you have stopped being filled with the Spirit. You are in the river, you just stop getting deeper in the river. To cooperate with that transformation is going to change your life to be like what the New Testament writers describe as being like Jesus. But if we want to get specific about what does that mean to be like Jesus? Does that mean I need to grow my hair out, get a beard and wear a toga and, you know, or a tunic and wear sandals? Listen to what the New Testament writers just say. They, they use two concepts to describe this transformation. The idea of fruits and gifts. The fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are ways in which we describe what it looks like to become like Jesus. Here we go. The fruits of the Spirit. Fruit faithfulness, gentleness, and generosity. Joy, kindness, love, peace, patience, self-control. Who could use a little bit of some of this in their life right now? I had a father come up to me last week praying, Ryan, would you pray for me to have more gentleness for my kids? And it's such a beautiful thing that a father feels that because when you ask to go deeper with the Spirit, the Spirit is going to bring you to the limits of your patience, the limits of your self-control to help you see where your best has reached its limit so that you can then be positioned to say, God, I need more. I want to go deeper with you because if you don't feel that, you will stay content right where you're at. But it's that thirst that makes you want to go deeper with God. And how does God do that? As I've been saying, He brings you to the limits of your gentleness, your self-control. So where you feel the limitations of your self-control, your kindness, your love, don't be afraid of that. Don't beat yourself up. Go, God, I am feeling my thirst for you. And you need to hear Jesus saying, then come, son. Come on, daughter. Come with me into the deeper waters. Come into my spirit. Come deeper into my spirit. And you're probably wondering, how do I get to those depths? We'll talk about that. That other aspect of becoming like Jesus is becoming like him in his spiritual authority. 
Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The gifts of the Spirit are a manifestation of the Spirit of God in your life because the Spirit wants to demonstrate His presence in you to other people for their common good. It is not sensation-seeking, it is intimacy-seeking, and it is for the purpose of drawing other people into the river. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. And all these are the work of those who are sensation-seeking and just want to have a spiritual high. (laughs) I'm just poking a little fun at us because, you know, we get a little concerned that when we start talking about the spiritual gifts, that things are going to get stupid and weird and crazy. And we feel uncomfortable sometimes with the spiritual gifts because they are the manifestation of God here. It is one thing to talk about God here as long as he stays here. The gifts of the Spirit are the manifesting of God here, here, here. It is this manifested among us through the character and the authority through the gifts and through the fruits. And so watch what Paul writes. He doesn't say that. What's what he says in verse 11. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So when you see people who go somewhere to learn more about spiritual gifts because they're not getting enough where they're at, You shouldn't look down on them. You shouldn't look at them like, oh, you're such a weirdo. I have a friend who was seeking healing in his life because God had tapped him into his thirst for God through a brain tumor. He had a terminal brain tumor. I know some of you have heard this story, but let me use it again if you don't mind. I want to illustrate a different point with this guy's story. He had, as a neuroscientist, he had never been comfortable going to healing meetings. He just never felt a need for it. He felt like, you know, I know enough about the human body. I don't need to go get healing. I'll just focus on my Christian tradition that I'm familiar with. But when he got a brain tumor, it was a way of tapping him into his thirst for God that he had never felt. And he started going to healing prayer meetings because the doctors could do nothing for him. And there he went, prayer meeting to prayer meeting. First prayer meeting he went, he didn't get healed. Second prayer meeting, he didn't get healed. But as a scientist... As a person devoted to rigorous, systematic scrutiny and observation, he wasn't deterred. He kept going to more and more healing prayer meetings. And once you know it, a few years into it, he was going to different prayer meetings. He was learning a lot. And this whole world, this whole depth of the Spirit was being opened to him. And along the way, he started praying for people to be healed and saw the blind and the deaf healed while he himself had not been healed. He is now start writing scientific journals that document the reality of people being healed through the power of the Holy Spirit. This guy is a tenured professor, the head of the Cognizant Department at a prestigious university in our country, and he is writing scientific documents to show the scientific community this stuff is not hocus pocus. It is happening, and eventually it happened for him. 
it's such a cool story because it reminds us that we are in as much desperate need for the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit today as they were 2,000 years ago. You guys, we need this stuff. The world needs this stuff. This is the river of God. And it is not in the pros or the experts. It is in you. And it begins in your doorway into that river is where your thirst is. First Corinthians 14, Paul writes this, pursue love. It's not on screen. I'm just going to read it to you. And earnestly desire. Everyone say it with me. Earnestly desire. The spiritual gifts, Paul writes. Now listen to that, what Paul's writing. Don't, he's like, pursue love and don't be afraid of this, but I want you to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. To earnestly desire the spiritual gifts is to desire the depths of God's spirit in your life. And it is for the common good and people around you need you to get deeper in the river. Your marriage needs you to get deeper in the river. Your children need you to get deeper in that river. Your community, this church, needs you to get deeper in that river. You need you to get deeper in that river. So how do we get in this river, all right? So if maybe you're intrigued or curious. How do we get into this thing? How do we start? You ready? Okay. We have a bus, and we're all going <laughs> to... Wouldn't that be fun one day if we just did it? What if I just did that? Would that be stupid? Would that be, what if we had a bunch of buses? And we, would, that, would that really freak you out? Should I do that? I don't know. You know, I'm the kind of guy that would do that kind of thing. So how do we, in other words, when we talk about how do we get in the river, I'm talking about how do we cooperate with the Spirit with our transformation? Because it's a relationship. And we have to understand that there's a role that we play in this transformation of our life in the fruits and the gifts of the spirit, because it's, God is not a drug. You don't just pop a couple God pills, come to church, raise your hand a few times, and boom, I got you, God, go home, and it's just going to do its thing. This is a relationship, and like any real relationship, it is a two-way thing that requires your cooperation. You are not earning God's love by cooperating. You are opening your soul to his love, to have its full effect on you. Okay, so when we talk about cooperating, we are talking about something that Christians for 2,000 years have been doing. It is called spiritual disciplines. These spiritual disciplines, these spiritual practices are not ways in which we change ourselves. They're not ways in which we convince God to change us. Look at how much I pray. Look at how much I fast, God. Aren't you impressed? Now you got to change me. Now, these are ways in which we hoist the sail to catch the movement and the wind of God's spirit as he does in us what only he can do. Now, spiritual disciplines are not ways we change ourselves. They are ways in which we offer ourselves through means that we have immediate control over. You can control and have choice over what you do with your body. You can say, okay, God, here I am. In faith that, God, you're going to bring the fire. What am I talking about? Romans 12, 1. Look at what Paul writes. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Now, 
It's in view of his mercy, not because he has to, not because he's obligated to, but because in his mercy, he wants to do this. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Spiritual disciplines are ways we offer our bodies by setting aside time to be with God, by fasting, by offering our financial resources as a tithe. We give generously to people. We, what are the spiritual disciplines? We meditate on God's word, not because reading the black and white on the page is going to transform you. We don't think that, do we? That, see, that would be magic. We believe that as we read the scripture, we are presenting God's truth to our minds so the Holy Spirit can do a supernatural alchemy and transform us. That's what we crazy Christians believe. Maybe some of you don't want to be Christian anymore. Whoa, I didn't realize we were that whacked. All right, maybe I need to reconsider this. But that is what we believe, that the Spirit is the one who's doing the work. Spiritual disciplines are things that we do to present ourselves to God to do the work that we can't do on our own. And because spiritual disciplines, um, there's so many of them, I can't go into all of them, but I want to lead you into one, okay? Something that you can take with you, a way for you to begin an adventure of exploring the river over the next seven days. Um, Before we do that, I want to throw a book up on the screen. Here's a book you could read. If you want to explore spiritual disciplines and go, hey, how do I participate in this transformation that Spirit's doing? How do I hoist my sail? Read this book right here. John Ortberg, The Life You've Always Wanted, will walk you through spiritual disciplines for ordinary people. Um, You can also go in the bookstore, and there may still be some left. There's a book called Celebration of Discipline in the bookstore and Spirit of the Disciplines, all three great books. This one is probably the easiest to read. Take a read. But how about we practice a little bit? And um, before we do, I want to invite the the worship band to come on out. And as the worship band comes out, I want to just... Take us back to Ezekiel for a second. If we go to Ezekiel, we see Ezekiel in this amazing river. And this river, like a fine wine, was being fermented for 600 years. But now I want you to picture something with me. I want you to picture Jesus in his baptism. Because at Jesus' baptism, the fulfillment of Ezekiel's vision had begun. Something new, something unprecedented was beginning to happen on the earth. When Jesus got in the water and when he stepped into the Jordan River and was baptized by John, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus was opening the door for the Spirit to come into your life in an unprecedented way. And that filling of the Spirit is something for you and for me to experience right now, right here, tonight, tomorrow. Because that river is not somewhere you need to buy a ticket to. It's right here. Can you just picture with me for a second? I want you to picture a river. And I want you just to, if you would, just picture John in the river. Just like it says in Matthew chapter 3, Mark chapter 1, Luke chapter 3, John is in the river and he's baptizing people and there's a crowd of people. The sun is up in the sky. It's warm. And the light 
of the sun is glistening off the surface of the water as each person goes out to meet John, to be baptized. And it's as you're standing there by that river, you see a man come into the scene from the side, and it is Jesus. And he approaches the edge of the water, and John stops in his tracks and focuses his attention on this person. Just picture the scene, the look on John's face as he beholds the Lamb of God. This is the moment that he has been waiting for his whole life. And Jesus begins to enter that river and just imagine Jesus walking into the water. He's ankle deep. And as he goes out into that water, he is knee deep. He is up to his waist now in the water. And he's with his cousin. And they're talking. And then John positions himself and slowly lowers Jesus into the water. And Jesus is submerged completely under the surface of the river. He is gone to the eyes. And then he comes back, and as he comes back, he is covered with water from head to toe. And something that looks like a dove, it's not quite a dove, it's something else that you've never seen, begins to kind of just come down and descend on Jesus. And it hovers over him for an instant and then fills him with the love of the Father. If you would, just picture yourself at that water's edge. And as you are standing there, you can feel the warmth of the sun on your back, the coolness of the water at your toes, and Jesus is looking up at you. And he is inviting you into that river. Come to me, all you who are thirsty. What does getting into this river mean for you? For some of you, maybe it means accepting Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord, and allowing him to cleanse you with the waters of his forgiveness, to cleanse you of all your sin, and to fill you with the love of the Father. For others of us, you've been a Christian a long time, and somewhere along the way, you kind of got stuck at a certain place in the river and tonight or this morning, Jesus is inviting you to come deeper with him into his spirit. Where is your thirst calling you to God? Where do you feel that thirst in your life inviting you out into a deeper place with God? Going deeper in that river is about allowing the spirit to put you in touch with your thirst for God. When the spirit wants to take us deeper, He's going to bring us to the limits of our own self-control, our own character, and our own power in life. I remember I had a friend who was came came to us sitting over lunch with them, and he was telling me about his struggle with self-control and just was afraid of his inability to control himself, his anger, his frustrations, and. But in my heart, I just smiled because I just knew this was the Spirit bringing this person to the edge 
so that the Spirit could take him deeper into deeper waters with him. Maybe you feel that in your life right now. When God wants to bring us to the edge, it's not so that we feel confined and limited, so that we come to him to do what only he can do. Whenever you're going to do a refurb on a house or you know, redo a home, it's always going to get messier and cost more than you expected. You with me? Ever done that in your home? Come on. It's always take whatever you planned, however long, how much money it's going to cost, and just double it because it's just, just going to be more expensive and cost more from you when you want God to come in and transform you. That is not anything to be discouraged by. That should come for you because if you are feeling your thirst in your life, if it's a little messy, if you're feeling some place where you feel out of control, that's a good sign that God is taking you on, through a threshold into a deeper place with his spirit. The spiritual disciplines are ways in which you get into the river and allow the Spirit to bring His power into your life to change you. And I want to invite you on a little adventure. I want to invite you to just to jump into the water. Imagine like a river rafting expedition. We're all going to get into a raft together because the safest place to explore the depths of the Holy Spirit is in community. And we want this community to be a safe place to explore all the depths of the Spirit in our life. We don't want to be a community that's holding each other back out of fear. We want to be a community that comes alongside each other and says, come on, Jesus is calling you deeper. Let me help you get there. And one way we can do that is these spiritual disciplines. Here's one for the next seven days. I want to invite you to get in the river with me with Jesus. Seven days with Jesus is what I'm calling it. And it's seven days with Jesus where you're going to pick one passage from Jesus's life and you're going to come back to it every day for seven days. And if you don't know where to start, start with Jesus's baptism. Maybe you could go to Matthew chapter three, Mark chapter one, Luke chapter three, where his baptism is recorded. You're going to read the passage for five minutes. You're going to read it you're going you're gonna to look at it and pay attention to all the details of the scenery. Maybe go on Google and look up what the Jordan River looked like, you know, and get a feel for the environment. And then you're going to spend five minutes and you're going to close your eyes. And if this kind of freaks you out, set a five-minute timer on your watch, on your phone, you know, and just forget about everything and focus everything on picturing that scene in your mind. Whatever scene you come back to for seven days, it's going to get bigger and it's going to enlarge and get deeper in you. For seven days, you're going to spend five minutes reading the passage and then five minutes picturing it. And then if you want to get really cheeky and a little saucy and go a little further out in the river, then I want to invite you to pray a simple prayer. It could be something like this. While you're just picturing this scene, put yourself in the, in the picture. And then pray a simple prayer like, Jesus, what do you want to say to me right now? Jesus, what do you want to show me? And then just listen for the Spirit speaking to you. Because if you read the Bible, you'll realize the Spirit is a chatty gentleman and he has a lot to say to you and he's going to want to talk to you and I want you to pull out a little journal and just write down what you hear 
And then you can go to a trusted Christian friend and go, does this sound like Jesus? Is he telling me to go out right now and buy a Ferrari? Because, <laughs> you know, I would be stoked on that, Jesus. You know. um, hey, no offense to Ferrari owners. God bless you. Go to a friend and check it out with them and say, hey, does this sound like the loving, gracious voice of God talking to me? Because we got to do it together. You with me? Let's get in that river. Before we do, before I let you go, let's make sure we get started. If you getting in that river means accepting Jesus as your Savior, as the Savior of your life, and you've never done that, and you would like to let Jesus be your Savior, to cleanse you and fill you with his Spirit for the first time, would you just raise your hand, wherever you're sitting, and as you raise your hand, this is a type of spiritual discipline. You are you expressing with your body an internal spiritual desire. And if that's you, put your hand up right now. And I'm going to pray for you, for Jesus to come flood you with his forgiveness and the Father's love. Would anybody like that? Raise your hand. I see you. I see you right there. Anybody else? I see you in the back over there by the camera. I got you. Anybody else? I see you right there. I see, I see you in the back section. Anybody else? If you raise your hand, you are saying, you're offering yourself to God with faith that God is going to respond because he loves you in mercy and he is going to do something in you that you could never do for yourself. Anybody else? Let's pray for these guys. Lord Jesus, we pray that they would experience your forgiveness, your cleansing power right now in Jesus' name. Jesus said this, you guys, to a man hanging to it with him on a cross before he died. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. And in Jesus' name, I tell you today, you will be with the Lord Jesus in paradise. You now have eternal life welling up in your soul. And I bless you to go deeper into that river with Jesus all the days of your life. And I bless you to tell a friend why you raised your hand and to begin your journey with Jesus over a donut and a cup of coffee. Now, for others of us, going in that river means taking a step into deeper waters. And if you are ready to go into a deeper place with the Holy Spirit, if you are thirsty to go out into deeper waters with the Spirit, would you stand up where you're sitting? I'm going to pray for you guys because this church has got to be a safe place for us to explore the depths of the Spirit and if we're doing it together, then we're in good company. Now, just put your hands out. And let's just pray together that God would do something in us and in our church that we have just never seen before. Because God, there are greater depths of your spirit that we have yet explored. And we want to go there with you, God. So put your hands out. And let's pray a prayer together out loud with our voices. Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. I hear Jesus calling to my thirst. I want to go deeper with you. Lead me into the deeper waters. Fill me afresh right now. In Jesus' name. Okay, just stay for a second. Let's just wait on the Spirit. Just wait it for a moment.
I bless you this week to get into that river. And in the name of Jesus, I bless you to go to new depths in your life. May the spirit of his gentleness, his humility, his patience, his miracle working power, his prophetic vision, his signs and his wonders, his wisdom and his knowledge, may it be poured out on you in abundance. And I bless the gifts of the Spirit to rise up in our church, to be used for the common good and for our transformation. We pray, God, that you would bestow on us an outpouring of spiritual gifts beyond anything we have ever seen. Not because where we've been has been bad, but because there are deeper waters ahead. And as a church, Jesus, we are saying, take us out into deeper waters. All right, everybody. This week, I'll see you in the river. Bless you. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.